Welcome to episode 54 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, the place for fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who want to get off the sidelines, be known for something that matters and claim their spotlight. If you have not listened to episode 53, this is your encouragement to go back because we are continuing that conversation from the last episode. We were talking about ideal clients, how to find your fit and how to find that ideal client with LP and I both sharing some explicit strategies that we use. And this week, we are continuing that conversation. And in this episode, we are going to explain what it means when I say some money is too expensive. We are going to share some of our red flags when it comes to trying to find clients or seeing if it's the right fit. We're also going to share how it took us a little while to identify them and listen to them. And we are going to provide some language that helps you gracefully say no to a client that isn't the right fit or to fire a client or set a client free from an agreement that is no longer working. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. If you have ever worked with a client and that work has felt like a slog, you dread communications with this person, you see an email or a phone call from them and you go, oh, chances are you and that client are not a good fit for each other. Similarly, if you find yourself counting down till the project or contract is over, this is not a good fit. And it's not something you want more of. So our job here today is to figure out how do we make sure that we are getting more of the right people by identifying who are the wrong people and what are the red flags that you have to look for. Early in your business, you might work with any and every client that comes your way. You may be desperate for work because you need proof that you have something to offer. You need to make money. And often it means you'll do anything to please somebody. As the resident people pleaser here at the Amanda Wagner podcast, I understand and empathize with this so much because I have been there. I have been desperate for a client. I will take on anybody and anything, even at the cost of having to do a ton of research or compromise my expertise and have to learn something brand new. I have done this in the past and I am not doing it anymore. I feel very lucky to have had just a few instances of working with people or on projects that aren't the right fit, but I know the feeling of needing that proof and needing the cash flow and the relief of simply having somebody who wants to work with me and take a chance on me. But in time, I've learned that some money is too expensive. What I mean when I use that phrase is that any money that makes you compromise what you do makes you question your competence or who you are, or requires you to do tasks that aren't in your wheelhouse or your expertise isn't worth it. If you are playing a long game, it means that you might have to say no to some short-term cash flow 
in order to get more of what you want. The idea that some money is too expensive also means that working with people who don't trust you, don't respect your boundaries, don't invest in the work or bring enthusiasm to the table, or simply don't treat you with respect are not people that you want more of. Liz, what money is too expensive for you? Money that's coming from micromanagers, money that's coming from people who nitpick inconsequential details, uh, and money coming from people who don't trust me or the process or the time that it takes to achieve goals that we've set together. I also know enough about you and your business that sometimes people will forget that they agreed to a specific strategy and then a couple months later go, well, I thought we were doing this. And you go, hang on a second. No, that's not what you agreed to. So people who change their minds. Absolutely. I had something like this happen to me recently where I had set a, a strategy and have been working towards the goals set in this strategy for several months now. And uh, the person came back to me and said, well, why aren't we achieving X? And I said, because we've never wanted to. That was never part of the strategy. I encourage you to go read that PDF from months ago. And that's why you sent the PDF. That's mm -hmm. why you're so specific about here's what we're doing here. This is the goal. I always use the language roadmap. This is the roadmap for both of us. This is the path we're traveling together. You have to agree to this before I do the work. Yes. I love this. Um, in our last episode, again, if you haven't listened, please go back. We talk about some of the ways to define, find, and ask for your ideal client. Liz and I have both been doing this for a while, and we've compiled some of our red flags that help us identify early on if this is likely to be a meaningful relationship or an ongoing project we want to pursue. Plus, we've included some red flags that we know other people look for and have shared with us so that we can pass them on to you so that you can find some of your own. So drum roll, please. Here is our list of the 10 red flags that we have learned to look for. Number one, boundary creepers who want everything for nothing and who insist that they deserve a discount or that they are doing me a favor by hiring me or they imply or say that what I offer isn't worth it. This is different than a discussion about budget and investment. This is somebody who tries to dangle a carrot and says, you would be so lucky to have my business. Number two, Liz, I know you're gonna give this a, a big, <laughs> there's, there's some big head nods here. I'm giving, a certain, I'm giving a certain energy here. Oh, it's there's really a vibe here because this <laughs> is something we've talked about. Um, one of the red flags can be cross-platform communicators. So somebody who will send an email, a text, and an Instagram message in a short amount of time, especially when I've made it explicitly clear that I do most of my communicating via email. And I always put the caveat that if you have really great news or want to share a milestone, phone me. But I often don't communicate via text. And the last thing I want is an Instagram DM that says, did you get my email? Or reiterating the same thing. What you've done is you've created more work 
for me. Liz, I know this happens to you. Tell me about your plat- cross-platform communicating horror stories. It does happen to me fairly often. And it's not so much that I'm getting an Instagram message as a follow-up to an email or to make sure that I've received the email, that sort of thing. But I think because I live in the world of social media, people assume that I spend all of my, all of my time there, (laughs) which I spend too much, but I spend a lot of time. I will get brand new communications from existing or new clients saying, Hey, we should do this. And I should almost have it saved as like an auto response that I type in a shortcut in my phone for. Cause so often I say, Hey, that sounds great. Do you want to send me an email about this? It happens a lot. And I, I understand people think I live on Instagram, uh, but please like keep the professional communications to a professional platform. Send me an email, please. And as somebody who is a client of yours and has done this, when I get the response of this sounds great, send me an email. It's a reminder for me of like, oh yeah, this, this takes more, more thought. And why would I want somebody that I'm working with to be confused, to have to put into more, more effort for them to have to like keep track of an Instagram message. That's why we have email. So that nudge also never pisses me off. It just reminds me like, oh shit, this is a professional relationship. And so often I don't get to my personal Instagram account until the end of the workday or when I'm taking a short break between all of the other work in the day. So it's like these five minutes were for me. And when, yeah, (laughs) when you take a break, you do not want my, Hey, this looks cool. Can we do this? No, you're, you're still allowed breaks. Um, there, there is something to keeping a paper trail, keeping it all in one place. I just want people to assume that if you send it to my DMS, it will probably get lost. The third red flag has to do with people that are in a rush. They want everything as soon as they ask for it and who in, who want me to participate in their emergency. My turnaround time is not instantaneous. That's not sustainable. Sometimes you will catch me on a great day and I will respond right away. But let's think of that as the exception, not the rule. So people who, who come in this, this frantic energy and say, oh, I need this by Friday. I'm like, okay, let me reestablish what's reasonable because your emergency isn't my emergency. And let's be honest, you're not a surgeon. You're not a midwife. This probably isn't the emergency that you think it is. I'm giving away one of my secrets here, but when I get an email with a certain level or a a certain level of urgency or a certain energy in it, I'm in my inbox most of the time and I address emails pretty quickly usually, but when that comes at me, I will read it and I will respond to it and I will schedule it to publish many hours later as a, yeah, sure, I am sitting here, but you're not the priority right now. I have a list of tasks. Uh, So I usually address it right away, but they don't know I've addressed it until hours later because it's unreasonable to expect something immediately. And to, to go back to a Dr. Philism that I use all the time, we teach people how to treat us. So if I teach you that I'm going to get back to this right away, consistently, you're going to expect it and you will probably be disappointed 
the first time that I can't make that happen. I will be transparent and tell you that this happened in November. I had a client reach out to me by email. I had a lot happening and it took me five business days to get back. That's not standard for me. That is longer than usual. And this potential client responded back and said, sorry, it took you too long to get back. We went in another direction. So for me, I had to process that like, oh, am I, am I an asshole because I didn't do this because I didn't make a top priority. And after some, some processing and some thinking, reflecting and a, and a couple tears, I had to sit back and go, but that urgency wasn't what I needed more of in my life. That was, that was a case of some money is too expensive because I wasn't in a place where I could deliver what this person needed. That's also a hot tip. Thank you for sharing that, Liz. I love that you will schedule emails sometimes for four o'clock, five o'clock at the end of the day, because it also means you aren't going to get an email response that you have to respond to that day again. Um, one thing that, that I will share, I don't know if this, this is a secret or just a goal. I have committed to looking at tasks that are going to take me less than five minutes going, if it takes me less than five minutes, I'm going to do it now and get it done. So if there is an in-depth email with multiple steps to it, it's not going to take me five minutes. So it's not going to compromise how I spend my time that day or what tasks I put aside. It's going to, to fall into place where it needs to fall into place. My fourth red flag might be controversial. It's my red flag is for people who don't put time and energy into using my name, having a greeting, sending a clear email, and adding a sign off. I know I sound like a stickler, and maybe it's because I was an English teacher, regardless of where it comes from. There is something to be said for writing an email like a grown up. <laughs> I. I have found it to be a red flag that especially at the beginning of a relationship or interaction, somebody sends me a quick two line, hey, I need this from you. Number one, use my name. Number two, your emergency is not my emergency. Number three, that's not how we do things in a professional setting. This does not mean that every single email has to have correct paragraph format. As you build the relationship, you learn what works and what doesn't work. And if you can send a one sentence, hey, just thinking about this really quickly, that's different. But especially in the beginning of a relationship, I like to treat people as professionals and I expect to be treated the same. I will tell you that even, uh, Liz, we had a very long email exchange earlier this week. I think it was nine emails back and forth. And every single one still started or ended with AW or LP. We always addressed our, each other. There was always a greeting. Absolutely. Those emails get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter in a nine message thread, but there is still level of formality because we are professionals and we're talking about work. And even one of those emails could even be, can we switch this to a phone call? Do you want to have a Zoom chat if it's faster that way? But for that work day and for our relationship, it worked. So again, please, please know that this doesn't have to be one of your red flags. It happens to be one of mine. The reason I think of it as a red flag is because if this is where the relationship is starting with an email that, that doesn't use my name or, or isn't uh, complete with content or what somebody needs or is looking for, 
that is a slippery slope to getting into people who send me an Instagram message or just want to text me instead of, of doing things with a little bit format of formality. So that's one that I really like to pay attention to. My fifth red flag is people who don't know what they want and are unwilling to try something new. So people who don't know what they want come to me all the time. That is okay. We can figure that out. But it's the combination of you don't know what you want and you're unwilling to try something new. You are insisting on staying stuck. I want to work with people who want to make a change and people who trust me. My sixth red flag, clients who wait for the payment to be declined before they find another way to pay. Liz is shaking her head. This is not something I have experienced, but this is somebody, somebody that I know who has a client who will wait for their $100 recurring membership to be declined and get a series of emails and then they will add $100 to that account so that the payment can be processed. It is one of the most disrespectful things I've ever heard of. There is a difference between not having the money for something and having to cancel. We get that. That is fine. But to explicitly say that you're just waiting for that decline as your cue to put $100 in, it is disrespectful because it means that person on the other end is now chasing you for money or in an administrative nightmare to change your payment deadline and to make sure that that invoice fires. It's, it's disrespectful. It's rude. It's completely unacceptable to me. This has never happened to me either. And I'm just angry at the idea of it. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. Chasing down payments sucks, but for it to be a regular, like this is an expectation that this is going to continue to happen. That's bullshit. Yeah. Yep. And that it happened more than once. I am not the only person to encounter this. And luckily my encounter with this next piece was funny. Um, I have had to hound somebody for GST where the invoice says $1,050 and somebody pays a thousand. And I feel like an absolute tool having to go back and saying, hey, I need your 50 bucks. Most often it happens because people are like, oh, it's a it's $1,000, great, here's $1,000. It often happens when people pay really quickly and they forget about the GST. And I get that. The one time it has happened to me, it became a funny conversation where I, I said to the woman, I hate to have to do this. And and it, it became this joke. And I said, I promise I'm, it's not that I'm hurting for the 50 bucks. So then my bookkeeper is saying, where's this 50 bucks? And, and so luckily that became a, a funny one, but if it happens consistently, that's a red flag that it might not be the person for you. Anything related to, to hounding payments can be very, very challenging and not an easy situation to tackle. Red flag number seven, Liz, you brought this up in episode 53, clients who agree to a plan or strategy or process with specific or measurable objectives and ways to determine success. And then they either change the plan and don't tell you about it, or they're upset when you're not achieving other goals that were never outlined. Tell me a little bit about your experience with that. You know, we said strategies for a reason. 
they're set to be followed. They give specific direction for the work that we're doing or the work that I'm doing for the person. So when, you know, I get an email or a phone call saying, I haven't had visits to my website, as an example, I haven't had an increase in visits to my website. I want to be like, okay, just take a second and go back to that PDF and see, just give it a control F and search the word website and see if that was a goal that we had set. And I will bet you that it's not a goal we set because if it was a goal that we had set, we'd be accomplishing it. Right. Because that's why, yeah, that's why you have a strategy. That's why they have hired you. So for people who don't give information and, and, change the plan and then are somehow disappointed or upset with you for not achieving that goal. It's like, but that wasn't a goal we outlined. How could I possibly do it? Red flag number eight, people who don't value my time or continue to cancel meetings. This is a pretty easy one to understand. When I set out time for a client, especially if it's a, if it's a private coaching client, chances are I've caught this, this red flag ahead of time, but that hour is not just that hour that I set aside. It's also the prep time. It's also the follow-up and reflection time. And it means that I've taken that on at the cost of doing something else. So to have somebody who repeatedly cancels or just doesn't show up without some type of explanation is very, very challenging. Our ninth red flag is a very personal one. If you know LP and I, you know that we love to use humor and joy and enthusiasm. And Liz brought up that a lack of enthusiasm can feel like a red flag. Somebody who is hiring you because they feel like they have to, somebody who is disgruntled about having to pay your invoice, who feels like it isn't worth it. These are are not the type of people that we want more of. When, When Liz brought this up, I said, This isn't a court order. Nobody is forced to hire me here. So if you are making a choice to to hire me, I want to make sure that it's a fit. And part of finding that fit is that enthusiasm. Talked about buy-in quite a bit on the last episode. And for me, I think enthusiasm translates to Mm buy-in. I 100% agree. And that goes with number 10 on the red flag list of people who are disinterested. Often that can translate to not getting back to an email, needing a ton of follow-up, people who aren't making this a priority because there's only, I'm a a salesperson at heart, I believe in the follow-up and there's only so much chasing I'm willing to do before I wave my white flag and say, I'm here if you are ready, but I am not going to, not going to hound you. I am not going to make a a sole task or priority about getting you on board. It goes with that desperation again. Clients who who dangle a carrot and think, oh, you need my money. No, I need a great client. I need an opportunity to do my best work with somebody who's invested and values that. And if you're not that person, that's okay. So it's taken a while to figure out what these are, but when we actually sat back and I said to Liz, like, let's create the 10 red flags, 
I felt like it happened pretty quickly. What was it like for you, Liz, now that you've been doing this for years, what was it like for you to come up with these red flags? You know what? It, it, unfortunately it was easier than I thought it would be, which I, I feel like coming up with the 10 red flags one, it's like almost a badge of honor because we've put in enough time doing the work that we know exactly what we are and what we are not looking for. But I found the process of creating this list not too bad. And it was a lovely reminder as well for me. And I don't know if you feel the same way, just a bit of a refresher in my brain to clarify who my people are. Last episode obviously did that for us, but taking a step far, step further to refine who the ideal client and the best fit is. Absolutely. When I look at this list in our script, I almost want to like print this out and be like, remember, some money is too expensive. Have a look at, okay, are these, is this inquiry doing these types of things? Or are there any red flags that I need to pay attention to? Which leads us beautifully into the next piece, which is, so how do we say no when it's not a fit? Um, Before I get there, there are some that I've heard from other clients and in other industries. And so I want to share a couple of these for for people who may be listening. So from designers or artists, I have heard that many professional designers, artists, illustrators don't want people to bring inspiration and say, just replicate this. Um, I know in my case, when I have worked with, with one of my designers, I said, I have a great idea for what I want the podcast cover to look like. And I could instantly see her and hear her say, thank you, but this is my job. And I'm like, okay, yeah, pull back. This is not my role. So it's a good reminder that, that sometimes we have to accommodate how other people do their best work from photographers. Some of those red flags are people who don't value their time, who show up unprepared and then expect extra time. Also, I hear a, can you just do one more? Can I just do one more outfit change? Can we just do one more setting? Can we just have five more minutes? This can I just is one that I know photographers hear a lot and it puts them in a challenging position where they have to say, no, it's a 15 minute mini session for a reason service and healthcare professionals consistently having cancellations or showing up late that can cause you to get fired as a client. This is a really great opportunity to take inventory, look at the people or the companies that you work with, look at your own red flags and ask yourself, once you've looked at your people, at your clients, your companies, if I had 10 more of these people, would I be fulfilled? This is a question that brings into focus really quickly the type of person, client, or company that you want to work with. And chances are it will make it really clear what you want more of and what you want less of when it comes to clients. If you find yourself thinking, oh shit, I am taking on far too many clients that are not the right fit, you are in the right place because we have some language to help you say no to these clients in the future and some ways to consider firing a client. If you take one thing from today's episode, I want you to take that question. If I had 10 more of these people, would I be fulfilled? If Liz had 10 more Amandas, would that be fulfilling? If I had 10 more of my clients, would I want that? It's a great way to make it clear if that's what you're looking for. 
In terms of firing a client, it is not something I've done often. It's not something I want to do more of. It is a really difficult position. And I think that's why I think that's why people avoid doing it. It's why we just suffer through having a bad client. To me, the only thing worse than suffering through having a bad client is taking on another one. So to make sure that you don't find yourself taking on another one, here are a couple of pieces of language that can help. Number one, the best thing that I have ever heard from a very thoughtful and intelligent businesswoman, she uses this language, you're good, we're good, it's just not a good fit. You don't have to explain why it isn't a good fit. I am never going to go into detail and say, it's because you didn't use my name in an email. That's not the point. Just because it's my red flag, I don't have to explain how I see this going wrong or how I see this progressing in a way that I don't love. Another option. Thank you for thinking of me. I'm looking for a few particular projects, and this isn't the type of project that I'm looking for more of right now. We've passed it off without, it's not personal, we're not making it personal, but it's, it's also true. I am not looking for a project with a person like this. So I, I'm not lying, I'm still being assertive, but I'm not giving away so much detail that I am, I am putting myself at risk of somebody saying, I can't believe Amanda Wagner does this. Another phrase you can use, in order to be able to do my best work, I've had to take on only specific clients and projects and this isn't a fit. And finally, if you have a client that you have worked with before, a very graceful way to say that is to acknowledge it. I know we've worked together previously and on reflection or since then, I've been moving in a direction and this isn't the right project for me or this doesn't feel like a fit. Notice how each one of these answers comes down to this word fit. If it's a good fit with a client, it's often something that you know, it's something you can tell because there is that feeling, there is that enthusiasm, that trust, that lack of micromanaging and a, and a back and forth investment and buy-in. And when it's not a fit, you can also tell. One thing that I wanna make clear, you always get to decide if you offer referrals or not. You are never obligated to offer a referral, nor do you want to pass the buck if this is a terrible client and you don't want your friend or peer to have a negative experience. So this is always a decision that you get to make. I want you to be confident in knowing that you also can respect and protect your own reputation by providing appropriate referrals or not providing them at all. People can always Google and find somebody new. And that is okay. If you don't wanna pass it on to somebody, that is okay. Liz, do you have any pieces of language that you like to use when either firing a client or saying no to somebody gracefully? I think it's just keeping the old, it's not you, it's me sort of perspective, which I think we, we have covered uh, in some of your examples here. You never want to play the blame game. You're ending that working relationship for a reason, but there's no need to get too specific about it. I never try and play the blame game, even if internally, all I want to do is blame that other person, <laughs> you know, really keeping it high level. You don't need to get into too much detail. 
beautifully said. And, and there is a way to, to be kind and graceful and assertive at the same time, because every single piece of language we've given there, there's at least five here. Notice how we don't end with, is that okay for you? Or with oodles of apologies, or I hope that works. You are saying the, the no and you're letting it land. And that is okay. This is not up for discussion. This is not up for negotiation. This is not about getting more money, right? I think, I think we've both been in, in a position. I know that my, my clients and I have joked about that. There is always an option to provide the FRO price, which translates to the fuck right off price. If you decide that for you, this money might not be too expensive, if it's the right dollar figure, you always get to make that call. But in my, in my years of doing this, I have learned that sometimes there isn't enough money that makes it worth it. And I would rather not be miserable. I would rather work with amazing people. I am so very proud of the people that I am working with right now, because every single one of them, every, every team, every company, every person is somebody that I look forward to this time. And my job is how do I keep that going? How do I make sure that I find more of these and make sure that these are the right people that are in my space and that get my best self and my best energy? Liz, I see you nodding along here. We've got some good people. These last two episodes, we have been talking about ideal clients, how to find them and how to fire them. I would love to know what is one of your red flags? Often by hearing other people's red flags, like how Liz and I listed 10, we can figure out what some of our own are and how to avoid them. So this is your opportunity to, to flood our Instagram post uh, today and tell us what is your red flag? In our next two episodes, we are going to dig into what it means to be an entrepreneur from the language we use to what it means to be a leader in the space, including some of the creative challenges, vulnerable disclosures, and honest conversations that this work requires. And what isn't required is equally as important which means that you don't have to have Silicon Valley investors to be an entrepreneur. There are a lot of things that I have had to work through from hearing bullshit advice of what it means to be a quote unquote real entrepreneur. I am also part of the anti-boss babe group, still recovering from that sweater I purchased in, in 2019. And I look forward to digging into our next two episodes of, of what it really means, some of the perks of entrepreneurship, some of the challenges, and how we can find some of that new business energy, even if you've been doing it a while. So of course, please join us for our next episode. But in the meantime, Please share with us your red flag so that we can adopt it. We can put it into to our practice if it's one of our red flags and we can help this community make sure that we are getting better people. If you need help finding the right 
client. If you are ready to make a change and have better people knocking down your door, I am the person to help you do that. I am accepting private coaching clients for fall of 2022. So if that is something that you are interested, please look me up at theamandawagner.com. You can contact me through there. If you are looking for more great content like this podcast and the blogs, sign up for the newsletter at theamandawagner.com. And once a month, you will get a wrap up of everything we're talking about over here. And if you need help with your social media channels or need some support with your digital communications, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Visit my website, lizpittman.com or connect with me on Instagram at lizpittman. I think I am one of the few people in the world who still has a printer at home. So I am on my way to print out this list of red flags so that I can pay really great attention to it and make sure that I am asking the right questions so that I can identify these red flags early. So as always, the podcast is, is made for you, but Liz and I get some solid reflection time in too. So selfishly, I'm very happy to be here today. Thank you all for listening. It's, it's an absolute pleasure to get to create this for you. It was a beautiful day, a beautiful recording. I'm so excited for our next episode and discussing all of our feelings around boss babe culture. Until then, as always, we will see you on the internet. There are going to be lots of feelings around the boss babe thing. So many feelings. Did you, buy, you did, did you ever Go buy the sweater? No. Oh yeah. No, she says dismissively. <laughs> Rude. Can I tell you what I'm feeling right now? Yes. I have to pee so Oh bad. my God, me too. I should have paused in that last episode and we I was like, no. Between. <laughs> yeah. Normally we do because I like change outfits and things. No, this this was a bad idea. Um, yeah. okay, well let's let's wrap this baby up. Um, I'll text you in four minutes. Okay, it sounds okay. good. <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>